0: Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the former Benfica left-back Scott Minto and TalkSport's Alex Crook as we dexterously review the weekend's action and look ahead to the Premier League weekend all in one big pod. Manchester United have now beaten Spurs, Arsenal and Liverpool and this weekend they take on Chelsea. Liverpool edge past West Ham and now go to Forest and after a restful midweek, Manchester City and Arsenal return to action. It's all on the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport.
2: It's midweek nights under the lights. We're powered by fans on the Talksport Network, so we're taking you to the football with us. Bournemouth 0 Southampton 1. Saints have taken the lead from virtually their
3: first attack of the game. Nunez is there, rising high as to send a towering header into the far corner. Fabianski could not thwart him on this occasion. Miguel Almiron, who picks out the top left-hand corner, gives Jordan Pickford no chance. Newcastle one, Everton nil. Possible penalty in West Ham's favour. Bone will step up and it's saved! Alisson dives to his right One minute and 16 seconds
0: on the clock And Manchester United have scored At the start of the second half
2: Ralph Hasenhutl has been goaded By the away fans in this second half He took off Joe Aribo. On came Lianko That was met by taunts if you don't know what you're doing manchester
0: united to tottenham 0. the ball played to the edge of the penalty area come out to bruno fernandez after an effort from fred and he called it beautifully past hugo Lloris.
2: tottenham terrible manchester united magnificent the great west london derby here despite the lack of goals it finishes at the gtech community stadium brentford nil chelsea nil their first win southampton in 50 days it finishes Bournemouth 0, Southampton 1. United up to 5th and within 4 points of Spurs, with a game in hand, it
0: finishes Manchester United 2, Tottenham 0. So much to get on with today. Uh, So gentlemen, I hope you're well and okay, but we're going to crack on because um, we've got probably about 20 games to get through over the course of the next 48 minutes. Um, Manchester United beat Spurs 2-0 on Wednesday night. I was lucky enough to be there, I've got to admit It was a thrilling performance from Manchester United. They were absolutely brilliant, especially in the first half where they racked up a record for number of shots on goal, not just for a half under Eric Hag, but an entire game. They had 19 in the first half, 28 overall. They scored two goals and they only scored two goals because Rashford wouldn't finish an ice cream if you left it in his hand long enough. Um, (laughs) And Hugo Lloris was brilliant. But apart from that, I mean, it was terrific from start to finish. And I'm sorry, I was a little bit irked. I was standing in the tunnel, and I walked. Um, Bruno Fernandez walked past me, and he had in his hands the Player of the Match award. And I thought, that's definitely Fred's. That's definitely Fred's. Fred was absolutely superb, Scott.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's sexy enough to give Fred the uh, the Player of the Match award still at the moment, is it? But listen, he was superb and I think he epitomised everything that United are about right now. I mean, it was a, a, a brilliant performance. Uh, Attacking-wise, defending-wise, they did it as a team. Uh, the way that the, the inverted wingers looked really dangerous. Bruno was very good, you have to say. We haven't really wanted to he talk was, about uh, Bruno recently, but he was very good. Yeah, yeah. Um but defensively, they just look really, really solid. And I and, and I, I can see Crookie right now. With being a podcast, most people can't. There's a light above him. I'm sure he's positioned himself perfectly with that, thinking that everybody who's a, connected with the United is an angel right now. And listen, Ten Hag, I think, has been superb. I, I, I think he's really dealt with, from the start of the season and that Brentford performance, he's realised what needs to be done. He's, he's gone back to the basics and step by step, he's putting the pieces of United and what he wants together. Obviously, one big issue now after what happened after the game, but I think it's been absolutely superb. And against one of the teams that we all believe is is right up there in terms of going for top four.
0: We'll talk about them in just a second. But I'm just, sorry, I missed the text message last night. Um, 722. Fred. Second message, FFS. Ah, who's that? Oh, Alex Crook. That was 722 <laughs> last night. Do you want to retract that now?
2: I have to say, I owe Fred and Eric Ten Hag a big apology this morning. I don't think I was the only United supporter that was a bit concerned by that team selection. But as you say, Fred more than repaid it. But not everybody connected with United is feeling angelic this morning. Not in the case of Cristiano Ronaldo, I wouldn't imagine. I thought it was poor from him. I thought it was petulant the way that he stomped off down the tunnel with five minutes of the game to play. It was him taking the focus. So I thought it was a magnificent team performance and trying to make himself the centre of attention. I'm sure that will be dealt with. But I said last week, this is a team under 10 Hag that finally is being properly coached. And that all came together spectacularly on uh, Wednesday evening. Long may it continue.
0: Yeah, um, I thought Manchester United were absolutely excellent. I don't think it can be underplayed how well they performed and how well they've performed against some of the better teams in the league so far. You know, they've beaten Arsenal. I mentioned they've beaten Liverpool. They've beaten Spurs, they're now going to play Chelsea at the weekend and have a great result in midweek. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Spurs. Um, They've only had one win against the top-half team so far this season. Despite the fact they've had their best start to a campaign since 1963, I thought they were absolutely dreadful. And the idea that you've got a team that conceded 19 shots in the first half of a game, Scott, and did nothing to thwart that attention at the start of the second, seems perplexing to me. When I asked Antonio Conte about that, he actually said almost as if I looked at my bench and realised I didn't have anyone but ultimately surely tactically there was something else to do to stop the constant counter-pressing from Manchester United I mean it would have helped if they didn't get the ball away from
1: them no, no, absolutely and you know with the signing of Richarlison you're sort of thinking okay they've got they've got four really good f- forward players with two of them being injured it's almost like I can't do anything with this this group. You know, this is my best 11 and I can't make any changes. Well, listen, I'm a big Conte fan and I still believe that Spurs should, should be pinching themselves that they got someone like him um, as their manager and what he did last season was incredible, but you, you, you're right. You're talking about top half size. They were lucky against Chelsea. Um, you know, no points against Arsenal. And then last night they were shocking. He needs to be doing something. He needs to be, if not making substitutions, then tweaking something. And it feels like it's almost the default is if plan A isn't working, then go even deeper, you know, make it five, three, two, and, uh, you know, get those two of those midfielders dropping in. And it's not good enough really for, um, a club like Spurs at this moment in time. And of course the season changes so almost on a weekly basis, but I'd say probably a monthly basis. I wouldn't put Spurs in the top four, you know, Arsenal on fire at the moment, City a City, Liverpool coming strong. And I think Chelsea, I like what Graham Potter's doing. So it just feels like it's Conte again saying, I haven't got the squad. Look at me. And, and, and actually by, Doing nothing. He thinks he's sending a message, but all the time they're dropping points and morale's going and we know what confidence is like. It's a very fragile thing. He just needs to be careful.
0: Yeah, they haven't dropped too many points this season, which is remarkable because they have been incredibly dull. Um And Crook was uh, defending them to the hilt on Monday's podcast, suggesting that it was out of order that the Tottenham fans. Uh, would uh, criticise Antonio Conte for playing dull, pragmatic football because it was all about winning. And whilst I understand that, I did say to you at the time, I thought that Tottenham were on the precipice. They were in games, but they were winning matches marginally every single time. And when they've come up against really good teams, I'm talking about the Chelsea game, when they played played off the park by Chelsea, they drew 2-2, but Chelsea absolutely battered them. Manchester United could have won
2: 5-0 last night and no one would have complained. I don't think they're very good, Tottenham. Actually, you can take it right back to the summer when I had quite a heated debate with Darren Lewis about the quality of their signings. And my argument was that Arsenal had signed players to improve their 11. Tottenham had signed players to improve the squad. And actually, I think there's a lot of question marks about some of their signings. So maybe that's coming to fruition. I think there could be a deeper issue here involving Antonio Conte. Those Juventus links don't go away. Uh, We know that he hasn't yet committed to a new long-term contract. I wouldn't be surprised if Conte does end up back in Turin and Maurizio Pochettino ends up back at Spurs. Liverpool
0: won West Ham United nil from midweek. We better quickly go through all the rest of the games as well because it wasn't just Manchester United that stole the headlines. Uh, Darwin Nunez getting the winner against the West Ham team. I I think David Moyes is, is still too popular with the West Ham United fans, a few of them. A little bit irritated with some of his decisions in game. Um, the penalty save from Allison was absolutely sensational. Um, I actually didn't think it was that bad a penalty, Scott, from Jared Bowen. It was a really good save, wasn't it?
1: Do you know what? It's one of those penalty situations where, and that's why the, the Ivan Tony, the Lyle Taylor went back in the day when I played with Palo de Canio. If you can wait to the last moment, have that composure, wait for the keeper to go, it looks so simple. But if you just try and hit it, even if it's towards the corner. A good goalkeeper, if he guesses the right way, like Allison, will make a good save. And it has to be some penalty. So it wasn't a bad penalty. It was a much improved second half from West Ham. And I think they can still count themselves unlucky they didn't come away with something. But for Liverpool, it was all about getting that result especially after what happened against City. You had to come away with back-to-back victories there and get all three points. And I'm really pleased for Darwin Nunez, who I I keep on banging the drum for. Again, I'll say again, I saw him a lot last year at Benfica. He will come good. He's a fantastic striker. He's just been compared at the moment to Erling Haaland. But a great goal, a winner at Anfield, and that will give him so much confidence.
0: Um, Obviously, Declan Rice impressive for West Ham once again following a goal last week, finding form after a bit of a slow start to the season. Um, 18 visits, though, to Anfield for David Moyes without a win now. Um, But can you see signs of improvement or can you understand why the West Ham fans are still a little frustrated, Crook?
2: I think they're they're frustrated by his reluctance to play Antonio and Scamacca together um, and, and the pragmatic nature of his team selections, but I think they played well. You know, I think they're unlucky really. I agree with you. I didn't think it was a poor penalty. I thought it was an excellent save by probably the best goalkeeper in the division, maybe the best goalkeeper in the world. I thought Sochek was unlucky. What a challenge that was mm. from James Milner. So mm. I think they have improved West Ham. In the last few weeks, I didn't have any concerns for them moving forward. I think if we're looking at the midweek games, by the way, Miggie Almiron deserves an honourable mention. What a goal he scored and what terrific form he's in. Testament to Eddie Howe's coaching abilities, that he's getting the best out of a player who largely underwhelmed under Steve Bruce.
0: Yeah, Newcastle won everton Neil Almiron now with as many goals in October as Grealish in a City shirt in total. (laughs) I wonder if Newcastle fans are secretly thanking Jack Grealish for his on-the-bus jibe. Um, three defeats in a row for Everton now after a good run under Frank uh, Lampard. They're solid. There have been narrow defeats to Spurs and Newcastle, but there's just not enough punch up front still, is there Scott? Dominic Calvert-Lewin lasted an hour on Wednesday night. Obviously, he is the answer uh, because there, there's not many strikers of his quality that are available. Keeping him fit, getting him through matches, making sure that he gets back to goal-scoring form is now the new priority for Frank Lampard
1: absolutely I mean you know just to have him back and and you know you can see how powerful he is in the air but yeah totally you have to manage him and and I don't care how well he was playing you can't give him 90 minutes at the moment because he is one of those players that that get to 70 80 and uh, late in the 80s and he'll he'll pull something and there's something will go wrong he could be the difference again between you know a relegation battle and being mid-table and that's the best Everton can hope for to be honest with you you know one attempt against Newcastle none on target Newcastle are a very good side right now, but but that's not good enough. And Frank knows that. What he has done is, arguably the most important thing, he's shored up the defence, with the signings he's made, and they do look better defensively. If they can get Calvert-Lewin fit and firing, then I think they can go to the mid-sa- mid-table safety. If not, it could be another season like last season. Okay. Uh,
0: Chelsea went to Brentford on Wednesday night, drew 0-0. The highlight of this game was probably the managers e- interviewing each other before the match, uh, in which, as we've said before, uh, Grand Potter confirmed he doesn't believe in formations. Even when talking to Thomas Frank about them, he was like, "Well, you know, he's not really a for. We don't, we, we don't really talk about formations. It's more about how the team plays." He's like, "Okay, all
2: right, interesting. What did you make of that whole exchange, Crook?" Well. <laughs> I thought it was fascinating, um, to be honest. And I think um you had two very intelligent managers, two very modern managers, two guys who clearly have a lot of respect for each other. And I think that's the kind of content um that we'd like to see more of moving forward. It is interesting with Graham Potter. It's almost like it's almost like he has a phobia of uh, picking the same team twice. Uh, he yes, didn't do that is a bit of a problem, I think. He didn't do it very often at Brighton. In fact, he changed it pretty much every week. And he did it again, you know, left out some players that maybe you'd have expected to start. It's a nightmare uh, for fantasy league managers. I think a draw was probably a fair reflection. Both teams had chances. Kepper was good again, wasn't he? What a goalkeeper he is.
0: Yeah, he's turned out to be a brilliant goalkeeper. Always said he would come good. <laughs> um, Bournemouth, Neil Southampton, one we've mentioned. Crystal Palace beat Wolves. Uh, on uh, Mond- uh, Tuesday night, I think it was. Um, I mean, Zaha, brilliant. Second home game in a row now that Palace have come from a goal down at halftime to win. They do that quite a lot. They're brilliant in the second half of matches. Statistically, if you look back over the, the Patrick Vieira era, that's been sort of like their modus operandi. Uh, Zaha's efficiency has got much better. His his goals per 90 have, have increased. The amount of time between goals has, has, has decreased. He It's all about making sure he gets his shot off early and making things happen very quickly. I must admit, largely forgettable Tuesday night, though, wasn't it, really? Crystal Palace Wolves and Brighton against Forest, which was, dear, stinking. Um, Deserby's honeymoon period well and truly over. He can't even beat Forest at home.
2: 54 shots in three games, no goals scored. Typical Brighton, really. They were brilliant until they got in the penalty area. I think Dean Henderson played well for Forest. But they were poor, Forrest. I mean, yes, it's a clean sheet. It's a point away from home. Steve Cooper said afterwards it was a step in the right direction. They are going to have to raise their game a lot to stand any chance of staying in the Premier League. I thought they were dreadful.
0: I think you're being absolutely outrageously harsh on uh, the tricky trees there. They've reset. They've gone back to basics. They've started to keep clean sheets. The bedrock of what they did last year in the Championship was built on a stern and stout defence. And um they've started to put things in place again in, in, in that in that zone. They, I, they I only think... let
2: the opposition have 19 shots. What well, what a brilliant defensive performance that is. Well, Tottenham Hotspur allowed 19
0: shots against their goal in one half against Manchester United, and they've had their best start since 1963, apparently. Um I think and here's a, a crooky bold claim. Are you ready for it?
2: You're gonna is say Forrest crookie... to stay up. No, champ. Forrest no. will stay up. No.
0: Forrest will stay
1: up. Scott. I'd I, I tell you what I'm 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 not sure on that one. I don't think yeah, we've got a few bets going on, Sam, haven't we? I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not you taking bet- a on it
0: I'm just throwing yeah. it
1: out there. I'm I think not they'll sure stay you up. want to put a bet on that one. Listen, okay. I, I think Steve's doing exactly the right thing though. After five straight defeats, what you do do is you you try and keep clean sheets. It's ugly right now. It's not the way he wants to play. It's not what he's all about. But he's he's again. We talk about Ten Hag but in a different way, going back to basics, and, and it's so important to do that. Worry about you know scoring goals after you've sorted the defence out. Because if you concede one, they need two to win a game and that ain't going to happen. But I do agree with Crook- Crookie. Boy, did I have to step it up if they are going to stay up this season. It's going to be a tough, tough season. And I still worry, despite the new contract, I still worry for Steve Cooper as to whether he'll be in the job in the summer. I really hope he is. Nothing short of sensational what he did. But I'm telling you now, I think he, he will go if they're in a similar position with 10 games to go.
0: Okay, Mark my words, I think they're going to stay up. By Hook or by Alex Crook, they will <laughs> stay up. Um, <laughs> I just think it's, 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 it's one of those things where Steve's a really good coach and he knows how to get the best out of players. He's got a lot of players. He's struggled to sort of integrate all of them. But I think once he gets a settled formation, once he gets a settled team, once he starts to realise who the big characters are, are they're, they're happy to do what he's asking them to do. I think you'll find that they'll develop the patterns of play that will get them points on the board. And there are other teams that are dropping like a stone right now that may well end up suffering.
1: There are probably at least 10 teams that you could say, have got a very good chance of going down. And, and you look at Gary O'Neill and what he's done, despite him having a, a his first defeat midweek, a well-coached side can get points on the board, but yep. Steve Cooper needs to decide his best 11 and ASAP. Cause I'm telling you now, Sam, and I've been part of it as well, the team that suddenly you think is, you think or people are saying is too good to go down. And week after week, the results don't come along and it almost becomes just a, just a, continual thing where you can't drag yourself out of it. So he needs to make sure that he sorts it ASAP. Aston
0: Villa have sacked manager Stephen Gerrard following their 3-0 Premier League defeat to Fulham. Speaking after the match, the former Liverpool captain knew he was under pressure uh, when he spoke to Talk Sports Ian Abrahams.
2: Stephen, the team were well beaten tonight, but there were two things the sending off in the penalty which potentially you were unlucky with.
3: Listen, we were second best for the first 45 minutes. We had no complaints with trailing at half-time. If it wasn't for our keeper, we could have been in more trouble. Um, I was really shocked and disappointed in our first 45 minutes. I tried to get in amongst the players for a reaction at half-time and then obviously going down to ten men, the the mountain and the challenge become even tougher. I've got no complaints with the red card. I think with VAR now in this day and age, when you go head-to-head, minimum you give the referee a decision in that situation. I'm disappointed over the penalty because... Cash is close, he's trying to do everything he can to stop a goal and I'm not sure any you know, human being in the planet can move their hand out the way there but sometimes they go against you and from there um, it was a really tough night from a personal point of view obviously um, I understand where we're at, fans um, so yeah, it was a tough night
2: When you say you understand where you're at, where are you exactly at tonight after this?
3: Well, look, I'm, frustrate, I'm frustrated but I certainly respect that there's a lot of frustration um, in the Aston Villa support um, I'm doing whatever I can. Um, I'm working around the clock to improve things, but tonight wasn't good enough. It was so far away from what I wanted and what I expected, and so far away from what we showed at the weekend, which is hard to believe. Finally, you've been in this
2: game a long time. You know that there'll be a lot of people talking about you tonight and tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, is he going to be in a job? How long will he be in a job? Can you put that behind you, or or do you even think about that?
3: No, listen, it's not a case of putting it behind me. I've got owners, I've got bosses. I'm sure they're talking about my situation, about our situation now. They do after every game. Um, that's out of my control. Um, but one thing's for sure, I'll, I'll never give up. Um, it's not in my DNA. You guys have known me for, for a long time. I respect and I'm always as honest as I can. Uh, I'm feeling it right now. Um, but I certainly won't be stepping aside. Um, I will see what happens.
0: More reactions to Gerald Sacking and who his potential replacement could be on Monday's podcast. Leicester beat Leeds by two goals to nil. It's a huge win for Leicester. And Brendan Rogers, who are now off the bottom of the table, Talk Sports Football Editor Jason Bourne, was watching this one.
1: Hi, guys. Here at the King Power tonight. And as we know, I'm Football Editor, but regular down here on match day. Got to admit, though, I wasn't really looking forward to tonight's game, but delighted with the victory. Not a vintage performance by any means, but victory, against a poor Leeds side. It's also the third clean sheet in four. Danny Ward looking more confident in goal, Now, fast with his best performance joining in the summer too. And we know James Madison, it was some mighty shoes to fill. Dennis Pratt though, really stepped up and stepped in. A player that's not really found his feet at the club so far, but was at the heart of both goals tonight. Things are starting to look a little rosier for Brendan Rodgers. With seven points from the last four games, let's see what happens at the weekend now. Next up, trip to Wolves on Sunday.
0: It's now seven without a win for Leeds and Jesse Marsh. Next up for them is Fulham on Sunday at Ellen Road.
2: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. And
0: so it begins, Gibbs-White sends it into the mixer, he's heading down and in, brilliant connection, super goal, and the celebration for Emmanuel Dennis isn't bad either.
3: I was understood pretty quickly in this season that it's um, obviously not a smooth start into the season. It's magnificent from Mo Salah! Gordon into the area, Anthony Gordon, the
2: man they're all talking about! There's a fascination about Who might get sacked next and
0: all these things?
3: So hard! 1-1. What a counter-attacking goal from Crystal Palace. Go in with the left footed effort into the corner at West Hammer level.
1: We're smiling and we're sort of trying to keep enjoying things.
3: Works it back to Lerma!
1: 2-1 Bournemouth. The best there is on offer.
0: And that's just talk sport. Nottingham Forest against Liverpool kicks off a game day on Saturday. Liverpool with a major opportunity to get three wins back to back. And maybe that might increase the ability of them not only breaking back into the top four and finishing above Manchester United, which they will brook, or um, maybe, maybe still having a little sniff at the title. What do you
2: reckon? The title? No. Too big, too big a gap already. Um Top four, I'm still backing United, particularly after that win against Tottenham. But as Scott said, I think uh, confidence-wise, picking up back-to-back wins, back-to-back clean sheets as well, which weirdly has been a bit of a problem for them this season. We'll see them in a good place, and this should be a comfortable away win. I've already mentioned how poor I thought Forest were, particularly as an attacking force going forward. I think they'll try and make themselves hard to beat. But unlike Brighton, Liverpool have a, a number of players capable of putting the ball in the back of the net. So I, th- I think it'll be in a way a win and it'll be three on the spin for Liverpool. Uh, Forrest yet to score against any of the top eight teams that they've played so
0: far in the Premier League. But last year I was at a game at the City ground in the FA Cup between Forrest and Liverpool and actually Forrest were the better team in that match. Um, <laughs> is there any way that, that Steve Cooper can eke out some sort of result against this Liverpool team? I mean, they've only just started firing again.
1: I can't can't see it. I mean, you, you talk about last season and they were unlucky, but last season confidence was high and they were just going into games thinking, you know, it doesn't matter who we play. We just want to play at the moment. Confidence is so low. Again, I think this is another one where Steve will not want to, but he'll make it as defensive as possible, trying to be really tight camp almost around their box. And if they can, I'll tell you what, he would t- he would jump at you to take a nil-nil right now. I cannot see Liverpool, despite them not being great in the second half against West Ham, things have changed a little bit. I think intensity is more there. Darwin Nunez scoring again. No, I'm sorry for me, it's an away win.
0: Uh, Darwin Nunez, Mo Salah returning to form. Firmino scoring goals. They have got problems with Diaz and Jota not being available, but they've still got many a weapon and you would expect them to break down Forest, wouldn't you, in the end, Crook?
2: Yeah, you would. Um, As I say, I think uh, there's only so long, uh, I think, a team struggling at the wrong end of the table can keep out this Liverpool side and I think once Liverpool get one, they might well go on and and win handsomely. Uh, The big game of the
0: week is 5.30 on Saturday night, the Crook-Matterface derby. Chelsea against Manchester United. Chelsea haven't conceded a goal in any of their last five games. In fact, the last time they conceded a goal was on Saturday, the 1st of October. They've conceded just two under Graham Potter. Talk about resilient. Um, Will Manchester United be able to score against them? I mean, will will Marcus Rashford be able to score against them? That's the key question, isn't it?
2: You got a real downer on Marcus Rashford. You're real downer. Hugo Lloris was brilliant, mate. A couple of those saves that he made f- from Rashford w- w- were potentially match-defining saves. I-, I thought he played well, Marcus Rashford. I think he will get goals this season. I think this is a better version of Rashford than we've seen for some time. But this will be a more difficult game. Rashi, actually, Rashi, We're calling him now. Eric Park <laughs> calls him Rashi. Okay, um, that
0: is that's his nickname. Look, no, I haven't got. A, I have got a downer on Marcus Rashford because he should score more goals than than he um, he does. And if I have any problem with him, it's because I believe he could be so much better. His runs off the ball, sometimes excellent. His movement, brilliant. His hounding when he's in a good mood is absolutely top-notch. But his finishing isn't good enough. And the truth is, is that even one of the members of the Manchester United coaching staff suggested that he should have had a goal or two on Wednesday night. He just needs to learn that when you get into those positions, like the one where Loris makes a really good save, he doesn't need to hit it as hard as he did. He just needs to pass it into the far corner and get it further away from the goalkeeper. The two golden chances, three golden chances that he had were just too central with his finishes. He's got to aim further away from the goalkeeper if he wants to score goals, Scott.
1: Uh, listen, I agree with you. And and sort of as you're talking now, I'm thinking, you know, the best finishes I've ever seen. Uh, Lionel Messi passes the ball into the net Cristiano Ronaldo perhaps doesn't pass the ball into the net but, but can do Alan Shearer used to hammer it as well it, I think it depends on each given situation there was one where he was inside the box he made the run and it came across he, he shot across Lloris I think that was the right thing to do and it was just a brilliant save but the one where he cut inside that's where you pass it towards the back of the net and it hits the that's side exactly netting and, and and that that will come though because I agree with Crookie. I agree with you in the sense that I think there's a lot more to come. I really like him. He's clearly had a lull in the last year, 18 months. But now I think he's ready to go again. Whether he'll be in time for for the World Cup, I'm not quite sure. But he's just got to make sure that he's right for Manchester United. Stick the ball in the back of the net on a regular basis, even between now and the World Cup. And I do believe he'll get on that plane. Well, the one thing I do think is a real positive is he
0: seems to have formed a bond with Eric Ten Hag. And as a result of that, I think it you know, maybe if Ten Hag is as good a coach as we believe him to be in the future, that those techniques, those early finishes, those better finishes, more accurate finishes will develop. But listen, there's, there's good parts to his game. I asked Ten Hag about whether he was worried about the fact that he had so many chances and didn't score. And he said, no, the goals will come. Same with Bruno. Things will click. We're always talking about, he he could see the upward trajectory. And look, we all hope that, we love Marcus Rashford, we, we, we know what he's done for the community and we've all been big champions of him. But we want him to be very good at football as well. And we want him to make a splash on the international stage. And that means he needs to score goals. And at the moment, he hasn't done that yet. Um, Chelsea, uh, the latest opponents. United have done quite well against the big team so far. Do you think they'll beat Chelsea at the weekend? I mean, it is at Stamford Bridge and away from home. Manchester United not yeah. traditionally been as good over the last year or so as they have been at Old Trafford
2: i take a draw, um, and I don't think there'll be much in it, actually. Um, I think, again, uh, the two goalkeepers will be quite important to the outcome. If United can play with the same intensity as they did against Tottenham, they'll give themselves a fantastic opportunity. But as you say, Chelsea away from home, Chelsea now under the guidance of a, a very good coach, I think it's a difficult game for United. Um, earlier this week, Jorginho
0: rejected a new deal at Chelsea. Apparently, he wants more money. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Someone I mean, else that you're not a fan of. I mean, he, he can go the same way as Christensen, can't he, Scott?
1: No, no, no. I agree with you on Christensen. I like Jorginho. I remember speaking to Jodie Morris and oh, saying really? he's, he's a real sort of leader, even if, yeah, he's not quite the sort of, hasn't got the athleticism you, you, you'd ideally want. But I'm telling you now, I, he's a bit marmite, clearly. But I, I like him. I think he's always someone who wants the he's ball. too slow
0: on the ball, isn't he? He ponders it, on the ball. He gets closed down. He it gives it away.
1: It, well, there are times where he does, but I still think, and, and listen, if everyone was fit, I'd go for a Kovacic and Kante central midfield. But I do like Jorginho, honestly. I, and I think, Chelsea, with Conte being out for a long period of time now, and it, listen, it's a negotiation. It's, I don't know if it's the first offer, but you're going to turn down the first offer. I know you always do with Talk Sports, Sam. So, you know, then you end up getting the big bucks. I, I, I think he's done well for Chelsea over the last few years. Listen, he's not brilliant. He's not world-class. But I would still have him in a Chelsea eleven. And I think, he, as I say, he always wants the ball. And that's something that you can't always aim at for a lot of players, even the top end of the Premier League. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure that the Chelsea
0: fan base are as enamoured with Jorginho as you are. I mean, I do think he's a terrific footballer. I just think actually he's playing in the wrong league. I think he's much better in international football and in Serie A, but I think he gets closed down too quickly in the Premier League, wants too much time on the ball, and it doesn't always work for him. Sometimes that causes Chelsea big problems, slightly different maybe under Graham Potter, who might be getting him to move it a little bit quicker. But yeah, I think you're right. You know, there's... When they've got Loftus-Cheek in midfield and Kovacic in midfield, as they did against Milan, I thought they were much more dynamic. Um, Manchester City take on Brighton, or oh, they're back in action in Manchester City uh, this week, which is good. Um, Roberto deserves Zerbi's wait for first, so Brighton win continues. But Manchester City at home um, are of different prospect to Manchester City away. Actually, most of their problems have come Away from home this season. In fact, all of their problems have come away from home this season. Should they make meat of the Seagulls, Crook? Yeah, I think they'll win. And uh, this that Sounds is, a bit this, distasteful, actually, doesn't it?
2: Uh, this is why like it's <laughs> such a disappointing outcome in midweek because obviously, Deserby, four games without a victory. It's been a difficult start fixture wise. And the next two games are Manchester City away and then Chelsea. So it could easily be six games without a win, which does pile on the pressure, bearing in mind they were fourth when he took over. But I didn't see enough from Brighton in the final third on Tuesday night to suggest that they can cause an upset in this game. I think City will win. I think Harlem will score. That's not a particularly bold prediction. I think it will be a comfortable home victory.
0: Um, Erling Haaland, obviously, he's been meditating for a week now uh, since his last game furious not to score at Anfield. I mean, he could take his frustrations out on Brighton here, couldn't
1: he? I think he really could. Um, and I think that was a big game not to win for De Zerby. Listen, he's not going to be under pressure in terms of his losing his job or anything. But that was the one game after what was a difficult start, as Crookie was saying, the next two games coming up. He ain't getting any wins out of those next two, I'm telling you. Um so th- this is going to be tough. This is almost going to be, let's let's see how many City can score. Listen, Brighton are a good side with the ball, but in both boxes, they're, they're, they're not quite good enough. And certainly going forward, they're not. This for me, Erling Haaland would be thinking, right, I didn't score in the last game. I need at least two in this one. Uh,
0: Everton have considered just 12 goals in 11 games. They are unbeaten in seven home <laughs> meetings with Crystal Palace, winning four of the last five. Uh, they play... Crystal Palace live on TalkSport 2 at 3 o'clock on Saturday. And this is absolutely imperative for Frank Lampard that he puts three points on the board here, I think, because a good statement at home against Crystal Palace and all of a sudden it looks like a good start to the campaign. Another defeat here, narrow, no goals for them, maybe even if they only lose by one. And actually it starts to feel a little bit like, oh, where are we going?
2: Yeah, but I think actually, if you look at Frank Lampard's comments after they lost to Spurs, and he was quite candid in his post-match interviews. He said, come on, I think it's a Champions League team now in Tottenham and it shows how far we still have to come. I think that was almost lowering the fans' expectations. They had a better start to the season um, than I predicted that they would. But ultimately... The squad is still in balance. They still lack a goal threat, particularly when Dominic Calvert-Lewin isn't fit and who knows how much sharp he is at this moment in time. So I still think Everton are one of those sides who are going to be finishing in the bottom half of the table. Crystal Palace have shown a bit of character coming from behind each of their last two home games to win. I think Wilfred Zaha is in terrific form right now. I'm loving Elise and Eze as well. And I think Palace may just have too much attacking talent for Everton.
0: Right, let's get to Sunday. Spurs against Newcastle is Sunday's 4.30 game. Now, prior to the midweek games in which uh, Newcastle won 1-0 and Spurs lost 2-0 and conceded about 9,000 shots on their goal, uh, Spurs actually and Newcastle had the two best defences in the league. Um, but Tottenham, I mean, it's laughable. I mean, all, Tottenham are making a little bit of a mockery of statistics in general, aren't they, Scott? Because they had their best start since 1963. They have one of the best defenses in the league. But actually, when you watch them and you use your eyes, you can see that they're so much more vulnerable than the score lines and statistics suggest.
1: Yeah. And it's one, it goes to show you can't rely 100% on stats. But, but two, I think. This is a really important game for Antonio Conte because when they've played against the top teams, they've fallen short this season. And you say they've had that good start, so therefore they've beaten the teams they should be beating. This is the Newcastle side on the up and is a side that actually could be chasing and is chasing top six. But your Spurs at home... I've been at Spurs in a few home games and, and they've been under pressure. I was at the Wolves game and Wolves, the first half, were much the better side. The fans can suddenly start to turn. And if Newcastle get this first goal, then it could be difficult here for, for Spurs. So I think this is a really tricky game and it's going to be fascinating to see how Conte deals with it. Against the real big teams, you can turn around and say, well, I've got nothing on the bench. Against Newcastle, they're still the side that Spurs fans will be saying we should be beating at home. Really interesting one, this.
0: Yeah, not sure that they should be beating Newcastle, really, because Newcastle since the end of August have uh, racked up deserved wins against Wolves, Palace, and Bournemouth. They should have got something at Anfield, um, and they uh, they probably they probably uh, should have more points than they've got so far on the board. And actually, Alan Shearer mentioned midweek that although it's too early for Newcastle to be in the Champions League uh, chat. He does believe that Tottenham were found out on Tuesday night. And Eddie Howe is a very studious coach. He would have looked at the performances of Spurs, found their weaknesses, of which there are quite a few. I think, despite the fact they're suffering with a few injuries themselves, I think they'll get the better of Spurs here, Crook.
2: Yeah, and it's no fluke, this form. One defeat in 13 in the Premier League going back to last season. I think uh, Adrian Durham made the point during the, the show on, on Wednesday evening, Kieran Trippier is an outside contender for player of the season so far. And I know that Sam, you'll say worse. Erling Haaland has been the player of the season so far, but Trippier has been a transformative influence on that dressing room. He was the first signing uh, post-Saudi takeover. I think he's really bought into the the ethos of the club. His relationship with the fans is terrific. And he has become a driving force. I think it's, it's tough for Tottenham to break down this Newcastle side. I guess the question is, how ambitious will Eddie Howe be at the other end, or will it be a, a similar performance to what we saw at Old Trafford, where they go for a point, and if they can pick up all three, it's a bonus.
0: Well, uh, Trippier has not only been transformative uh, in terms of uh, his play on the field. Of, uh, on the field, he's been brilliant in the dressing room as a as a rabble rouser and someone who's very much part of, of of the leadership group there. I think he may end up being the England starting right back, the way things are going. At the moment, because with James injured, with Walker having his problems, they need experience in that back line. He certainly provides that. His set piece deliveries are exemplary, and he's part of a team that keep a lot of clean sheets. So why wouldn't you have him in? It will be in the squad, but he uh, he might well be in the starting eleven. Harry Kane's played uh, a little bit better over the course of the start of this season than he has at any other stage in August, September, and October. Um, He's been brilliant in fact for Tottenham but he was kept quiet by Martinez and Casemiro on Wednesday who is going to try and do a job on him on Saturday on Sunday Scott
3: well
1: i, I you know i think you look at what Newcastle again it is interesting to see how Eddie Howe is is going to set this up but I also think it's really important how Antonio Conte plays you Now you look, you talk about Crystal Palace earlier and actually it wasn't necessarily substitutions that made them better in the second half it was just everybody upping it and saying we've got to go for it I think Antonio Conte has to do the same as well absolutely we spoke about this was it last week or the week before Harry Kane is the key on the transition so you need to have someone sat on his toes to make sure when he comes into that pocket of space that Casemiro did so well it was almost like I'm going to leave the rest of my midfielders. Harry Kane is the danger man. You stop Harry Kane on the transition. You stop Spurs. So listen, I think Newcastle will be very careful with how they do it. They won't go gung ho But yeah, as I say, I think this is a game that Newcastle could easily win. You stop Harry Kane, especially with two of their key four players being out, then Son doesn't get that service. Um, that, that is key against Spurs.
0: Um. In terms of uh, Kulusevski being unavailable, Mora coming back from injury, do you believe that he will approach the game with a little bit more uh, uh, to dare is to do? That's the motto of the Tottenham Hotspur um, sort of supporters and their club. Uh, do you think he'll, he'll maybe take a little bit of a gamble and be a little bit more handbrake off this weekend? Kulusevski only just coming back from injury, maybe not available uh, for the weekend, but Lucas Mora should be up to speed by now, shouldn't he, Crook?
2: Yeah, but with the greatest wood in the world, that isn't really a, a like-for-like replacement, is it? Um, Kulusevski has been a key player for Tottenham since he came in, and I think uh, I think they're a much better team with him in it. Will he take the handbrake off? No, <laughs> because it's Antonio Conte. You know he has one way of playing, and he's fairly stubborn about that. I'm interested to see what the atmosphere is like at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because obviously Spurs fans were moaning anyway. Um, about the style of play, even before they got played off the park at Old Trafford. So there's a bit of disillusionment, I think, amongst the fan base. If Newcastle start well, particularly if they were to score an early goal, I think it could get quite toxic.
0: Uh, well, they're already getting a little bit edgy, aren't they, the Tottenham fans, after uh, what has been uh, some some poor performances. Um, they they were pretty good, actually, at the uh, at Old Trafford. The, the travelling support were pretty good, kept behind their team, despite the fact that they were being... Well beaten. Uh, Hugo Lloris has wonderful games and then he has some issues. We should talk about Newcastle's front players as well. Callum Wilson, Miguel Almiron, who's been absolutely terrific. We mentioned him earlier on, the statistics he's putting on the board. But the way that Eddie Howe has coached this team has also been incredibly impressive over a longer period of time now. Do you think he gets enough recognition, Scott?
1: I think he's getting it. I think he is getting, I think within the game, people know what he's done. And I think it's amazing. What was it? Three wins in four now. So, and it's four wins out of 11. So after seven games, people were saying, should Newcastle be doing well, better uh, with one win in seven? It's just amazing They hadn't watched quick- the games. People who said that hadn't watched the games and knew well, that they should have so many absolutely, more points. Absolutely. What he did last season was not just bring in new players and also looked after Gimeraj and put him in at the right time, but he improved the players that were already there. And now you look at the team, they've got an exciting team, arguably the most exciting since the Keegan era, where, you know, Almanon's on fire at the moment. Callum Wilson, keep him fit like Calvert-Lewin and he will score goals. Murphy's playing really well. You've got Bruno Gimaraes, who's doing fantastic. Um, So so there is that attacking thing and it's going to be interesting to see whether there will be injuries. You would think that Longstaff would be that one who would just maybe just hold in there, but it's a very attacking sort of 4-3-3 formation. So I think he should kind of go for it in a way, and but but obviously still be very wary of Harry Kane. Is he getting enough credit? I think he is now. I do I do think he is, and it's, it's been a fantastic job.
0: Uh, the last time that um, Newcastle beat Tottenham at Tottenham, they had nineteen point eight possession percent possession um, of the football, um, had three shots on target, and won one nil. Do you ever scored the goal? Was that
2: the dubious penalty? Was that the Eric Dyer penalty for handball? Was that the game? No. no, OK.
0: It was Joel Linton who scored after 27 minutes. It was a rare goal for him in the middle of August. And they uh, yeah, they really upset the apple cart, didn't they? Um, that, But that was a long time ago. They don't particularly have a great record against Spurs. In fact, that's their only victory against Spurs since 2016. Um, and that fateful day where Tottenham slipped down the table and Newcastle scored five goals on the last day of the season and, and, yeah. and, and Arsenal leapfrogged them. Um, so uh, it'd be interesting. I think actually the, the blueprint will be just keep it calm, make sure it's pretty steady and then they'll strike on the break, Tottenham, uh, Newcastle, United. I think they'll I think they'll nick the game. One, maybe two-nil. I think they'll win to nil uh, Southampton, Arsenal. League leaders return to action after missing the midweek Premier League action. Really underwhelming against Leeds last time out but they should have a better afternoon at
2: St Mary's shouldn't they Crook? Yeah, especially when you look at the absentees that Southampton have got at this moment in time. Obviously Tino Livramento uh, long term injury, uh, Romeo Lavier who started the season in fantastic form is back in light training but won't be fit for this game. Carl Walker-Peters who was excellent on uh, Wednesday night hobbled off with a possible hamstring problem at the end as well. So they are stretched in terms of their resources. Southampton, it was a, it was an okay performance against Bournemouth, no more than that. Still a bit disjointed. I don't think I saw enough to suggest that the corner has actually been turned. I don't think I saw enough to suggest that they can knock the league leaders off their perch. I think this should be a, a day when Arsenal uh, get back on track after that iffy performance against Leeds. They did lose here last season um, when the Wills came off at the end of their, their Champions League challenge. So I think they'll be keen to make amends.
0: Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers against Leicester Sunday two o'clock. Five of the last six matches between Wolves and Leicester have been either nil-nil or one-nil. There's a bit too much binary going on in midweek as well, wasn't there? There was a lots of one-nils, nil-nils, one-ones, nil-ones all over the place. Is this going to be another low-scoring game, Scott?
1: I, I think so, mate. I mean, you talk about sort of. A, a, uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, one goal could win it, or Newcastle could nick it one nil. I think that the, the, the first goal wins this one. It's um, it, you know two teams who are not playing well in a bad vein of form, uh, not in the right situation, sort of off the pitch. Absolutely, this is a tough game. Look, these are these are, these are still gr- good groups of players, and technically speaking, in terms of how you watch. Um, than play football, it'd still be a really interesting match. But in terms of goal mouth action, I, I can't see much of it. I really can't.
0: Um, Brentford have not won any of their last five Premier League away games, Crook. If they win their next one against Aston Villa, Stephen and Gerrard will get sacked, won't he?
2: Oh, possibly, yeah. Big game uh, for Gerrard again. We talked about fan reaction when it comes to Antonio Conte and, and Ralph Hasen, who actually, I, I didn't mention it, but he was uh, he was taunted by the Southampton supporters, despite the fact they were winning on uh, Wednesday night. Once the fans have turned and decided a manager is not for them, it's very difficult to win them round. I think Steven Gerrard is experiencing that. And I think I saw enough from Brentford, actually, against Chelsea to suggest that they can beat this Aston Villa team. Um, I think Ivan Tony is going to be a real handful. And, yeah, if you were asking me to make a a definitive prediction, I would go for, for a Brentford win and to heap the pressure on Gerard.
0: Okay, we probably should do a bit of a poll, shouldn't we? Who goes first? Brendan Rodgers, uh, Gerard, um, Hooter, or Liz Truss? Which one is going to stay long? I mean, by the time this goes out, maybe Liz Truss is already out of a job. I don't know. Um, it's eminently possible that any of them could be out of a job by the time um, this podcast lands in your inbox today. Uh, Leeds against Fulham, another game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Leeds' performance has probably been better than their results. They should see off Fulham, shouldn't they, Scott?
1: I think so. I think Leeds at home, uh, they're such an intense team to play against and with the fans behind them as well, who are still 100% behind them, even if things aren't going well. I think this is a Fulham side. I'm not sure if Mitrovic is 100% fit. I don't think he looked quite 100% fit when he came back um, in the last game, but i said before i think leeds are one of those teams that will beat the teams they should especially at home but they'll lose against the teams that that probably are better than them and i think fulham you look at them listen they've done really well started well but like many of the other teams as well they're just starting to find out how difficult it is playing on a on a weekly basis and even you know two or three times a week now as well so i would expect i think it will be tight but i would expect a home win here
0: OK, Fulham have lost three of their last four away games, beating only Nottingham Forest in that run. So you would probably expect Jesse Marsh's team uh, to come away with three points. TalkSport this weekend has live commentary of Forest against Liverpool, Everton against Palace. Both live on game day. We start at 12.30. We're round the grounds with Adrian Durham. And it's on TalkSport too. that Everton Palace game. Monday night is West Ham against Bournemouth as game night gets into full swing. Uh, another busy week of action incoming plus european stuff as well we'll be back on monday lunchtime with the uh, review pod looking back at everything that's happened uh, this weekend and we'll be on youtube as well uh, from monday afternoon crookie thank you very much
2: enjoyed it it was nice to uh, do a podcast on the back of a tremendous united performance
0: Okay, let's hope you're not doing one on Monday um, in the same van. <laughs> and, uh, Scott, uh, have a good weekend. Hopefully, your your team wins this weekend. That's all I'm saying.
1: Fingers crossed. Um, I'll be looking forward to that one. It's it's a fantastic game. Interesting, the light isn't quite shining as much above Crookie now uh, as it was at the beginning of the show. I don't know if that's his performance on the show, or well, now we're talking about Chelsea Manu. But hopefully, it will be a, a home win at Stamford Bridge. Scott, there's an energy crisis. Um, <laughs>
0: Maybe he's just having a power cut, Um, like they did at Leeds the other day. Uh, Right, okay, that's it from us. Uh, We'll uh, speak to you over the weekend. Make sure you keep listening to TalkSport. Download our app. You can flick between all the live action that we've got on TalkSport and TalkSport 2.